blessings. We are believing God for them now. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not heard. Once God has spoken in the heavens now in the earth. No, 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 no. Once your part is once in the heavens. Now in the earth. Once in the heavens. Now in the earth. Once in the heavens, 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 now in the earth. What is it that you are believing God for the manifestation? What is it that you are trusting God to bring into the realm of the now? When you are thinking this and saying now in the earth, have that thing in your mind. Not some abstract thing, but something tangible for which God has already made a promise in heaven. And so now in the earth, you are trusting God to bring that to reality. Is it your healing? Now in the earth. Is it your prosperity? Now in the earth. Is it your restoration? Now in the earth. Is it your job? Now in the earth. Is it your ministry? Now in the earth. Whatever it is, if God has spoken it, now you can have it. Now in the earth.
in this place. I said give him some praise in this place. I said give him some praise in this place. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Oh God is a good God. He's a good God. He's a good God. He's a good God. He's a wonderful God. He's a magnificent God. Everlasting Father. Oh, hallelujah! Yes! Yes! Give him a shout of joy! <laughs> Go! Yes!
Amen. 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 You may, you may, you may be seated if you can. Amen. Praise God forever. Amen. Amen. Sometimes when you're trying to press yourself through, rather than keep on pressing, maybe you should just start praising. Hallelujah. Because praise releases angels into your situation. I truly believe that many, many, many people have not only been set free this morning, but the manifestation of the blessings of God have been dispatched into your life. In the name of Jesus, Father, we thank you for the tremendous privilege of being called the children of the Most High God. We thank you because we are favored. We thank you because we are blessed. We thank you because you love us. And because you love us, you will not withhold any good thing from us. With that boldness and confidence, we receive this morning the manifestations that you have promised concerning us. In the name of Jesus, we receive healings for our body from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. We are sound. We are well. We are healed. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Father God. That because of your goodness, we receive your blessings. We prosper. We have money. And more than enough to be a blessing back to you, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, every need in this house, in the lives of your people, in the ministry, in our homes, all of those needs are met right now beyond and above that which we can think or ask according to the power of God that's at work and released in us. In the name of Jesus, we have been blessed exceedingly, abundantly. In the name of Jesus, we have received your exceeding great reward and we bless and thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we are favored by God and by man. Wherever we go, we are called the favored ones. We receive your favor in the morning. We receive your favor at noontime. We receive a favor at midnight hour. In the name of Jesus, everywhere we go, men will call us blessed. We are blessed people. We are not under a curse. We are under the blessings of God. We receive your blessings. We thank you for your blessings. We are blessed by your blessings. In the name of Jesus, we are unstoppable. No one can stop us. In the name of Jesus, we will be a blessing to our generation. In the name of Jesus, Thank you for open heavens. Thank you for your signs and wonders. Thank you for the miraculous. Thank you for your harvest of souls. In the name of Jesus, our families are blessed. Our husbands are blessed. Our wives are blessed. Our children are blessed. In everything they touch, in everything they do, in everything they lay hands upon, they shall prosper. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Father God. We are the delight of the earth. We are the pleasure of the earth. We bless you, we praise you. We magnify you, Lord God. Thank you for your blessings. That adds, that make it rich and adds no sorrow to it. Thank you, Father God. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Lord. Oh. Glory be to God. Say, I got mine. Oh, I don't know about you guys. Say, I got mine. I got mine. 
Oh, see, I don't know about you, but I got mine. Hallelujah. I got mine. Woo, glory to God. Ah. Just say you don't say you came to church and didn't get anything. And you get here, what? Uh, uh, 20 minutes. Let me just finish what I started last Sunday. But you already got yours. And I, and, and I don't have any other way to say it. Julius, it's good to see you. It's good to see you, Julius. I don't know how else to say it, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it is real. Yes. Pastor Mike and I were somewhere yesterday. One of the other sons in ministry. And the guy was sharing with us, Pastor Charles, stupendous testimony that no human being can orchestrate or make happen. Am I talking? Incredible. But I truly believe it's not just for every now and then or few people. It is for all people. And if we will understand what we began last week, you're on your way. You're absolutely on your way. Quick recap, and then I just want to touch two or three things. We started speaking last week about accessing the benefits of our grace. And we established that the only way to access these blessings is by faith. And then in doing that, we said several things. Number one, that you and I must recognize, realize that God is the source of all the good gifts that come to us. All of it. Psalms 103 verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And do not forget his benefits. Tell your neighbor, there are benefits. Oh, no, no, no. You guys didn't say like you. He said, there are benefits. When you get hired on a job, AT&T, GE, Verizon, whoever you are working for, one of the things that human resource give you before you get released to start working are the benefits associated with your position. Yes. David is telling us here, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Why, David? Why should I bless God? Because without doing anything, Without my doing anything at all, at all, God has accrued to my account some benefits. Number one, he forgives my iniquities. Number two, he heals my diseases. Number three, he redeems my soul from destruction. No matter what the devil has planned for you. Before you were ever born, you must understand God has already redeemed you. Oh my God. That word redeemed means you were already deemed before he redeemed you. You didn't get it. Redeem. Which means he only redeemed what was already in existence. What was in existence? You were a spirit before you became flesh. Because he already chose you in Christ before the foundation of the earth. 
So before you were born in 1952, 1959, 1963, 1970, he said, you have been redeemed from every destruction. So whenever the enemy brings targets, brings challenges, brings issues, brings problems, remind him. Remind the devil. Tell the devil, you don't know who you are dealing with. I was redeemed. I was already deemed in the heart and mind of God as a spirit before I became flesh. You don't know what you are dealing with. You don't know who you are messing with. I am the Christ man in the earth. Bring it on. Because greater is he that's within me than he that's in the world. The issue is, do you believe it? These are benefits. Forgiveness. Healing. Protection. He said, then I will crown your head with loving kindness. Men may not like you. Your family may reject you. People may not understand you. But I want you to know, you are wearing a halo over your head. It's a crown. And this crown is called loving kindness. In other words, you are the apple of my eyes. You are my delight. You are my pleasure. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Nothing that you can do can take it away or add any to it. I have loved you. As if that is not good enough. He said, I will satisfy your mouth with good things. You will not just be limited to golden coral. Every now and then, you go to Fogo the Chow and sit down and sup with the king. Why? He wants to satisfy your mouth with good things. You just don't ride the rally bicycle. You ride in a Bentley. Because God created it, not for the world, but he created it for his own children. He said, I delight in the prosperity of my servants. If you are a servant of God, let me see you wave at him right now. Hallelujah! And he said, I renew your youth as the eagles. Men will see you. Ah. They said, we, we are told you are 60 years old. Well, you look at 35. You're looking at it. <laughs> Let me brag on God. Let me brag on my God. I look good. Oh my God. I know that I look good. doing of the Lord. And it is marvelous in our eyes. I look good. My wife looks good. My children look good. My grandchildren look good. You are looking good. Your household is good. Your children are good. Because of the Lord your God. Hallelujah! Woo! Every now and then, 
we should have a bragging service. Where we can brag on our God. And let the world know that we serve a living God. God with a mouth that speaks. God with ears that can hear. My God. God with eyes that's looking down to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him. Don't you brag on Muhammad. He's dead. Don't dare brag on Buddha. He is nowhere. But I'm talking about Jesus. The king of kings. The lord of lords. Him that liveth and was dead. But is now alive. The bright and morning star. The prince of peace. The everlasting father. Oh my God. The son of God himself. Hallelujah. The rose in the valley of the lilies. My Lord God. I'm talking about Jesus. Our great high priest. We should brag on him. Ah. So God is the source of all the good gifts. And then I said last week that we are stewards under God. Which means we don't own any of the things he gave us. Even though he gave them to us. He gave them so that you and I can be stewards. Meaning we are managers. We are helping him manage the resources he has committed to our care. Now, I also said, reading from Luke chapter 16, that the context of a passage is always the best definition or application of that particular passage. This is critical. Because in that Luke 16, I believe verse 10 or verse 11, Jesus told us that if we are unfaithful in that which is least, you also be unfaithful in that which is much. He said if you are not faithful in the least things, no one will commit to you the true riches. Now this is I already said to us that it takes faith to access everything God has. Everything you and I are looking for have been produced. They've already been manufactured. You go to Kroger, Publix, they don't manufacture the goods on the shelves when you get there. They were made while you were sleeping. Likewise, all the blessings of God for your life have already been made when you are asleep. But it takes faith to access all of these things. So what God is trying to teach us from Luke chapter 16 is money is the, on the lowest rung of faith level. Yes. This is huge. You see, if we place a ladder against this wall, if I'm to climb that ladder to get to this, what do you call this thing? Yes. Vent. Thank you very much. I was born in a village. We didn't have vents. <laughs> you do not just get on the wall and jump to the last rung on the ladder. You have to start climbing from rung number one, two, three, until you get up there. You do not go to the gym to start, practice, to start lifting weights and just immediately go there and pick up 100 pound weight. You'll die. We will bury you. 
you go to your mansion in heaven ahead of time. But if you're going to pick weights in the gym, you go there and start from where you're comfortable. Five pounds. Ten pounds. Fifteen pounds. And you gradually move until you can press hundred pounds. It is the same way in the spirit. You just don't access the wonderful, great, miraculous in God by just going and start at the top. Jesus is saying to us, the least, the least area in which you can begin to trust God to experience the supernatural is in the area of finance. Do you see how opposite we are with God? For me and you, money is so huge. God said, what you think is so huge is the smallest. Because if you cannot trust me in that which is least, how truly can you believe and trust me for heaven? How can you trust me when it comes to trying to pray for cancer? How can you trust me to open blind eyes? How can you trust me to raise the dead? All of these things are available right now. But God is trying to train us that the way we experience those things are by starting here. Being faithful over that which is least. Once you master that, it becomes a portal or access door to other great things in the kingdom of God. I do not know any great man that has all of the goods who didn't pass this test. I'm serious. So, I also said last week that tithing does not bring you under a curse if you don't do it. Oof. I can hear the silence. Somebody will say, thank God, I don't ever have to tithe again. If you don't tithe, you are not under a curse. Because if you are under a curse, then the Bible contradicts itself. Galatians chapter 3 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. So we are definitely not under a curse. Why? Because we do no longer live under the law. Romans chapter, chapter 7 verse 12 tells us clearly that you are not under the law, but under grace. Yes. Having said that, the next logical question then is, is tithing for today? Because if I don't tithe, I do, I'm not under a curse. And the reason, let me, maybe I should explain that again before I move on, because some of you were not here last Sunday. And I need to move into the new material. The reason you are not under a curse because you are not tithing is because your tithe do not impress God. Yes. In fact, your giving does not impress God. It's not for God. God said, I own the beast, all the beasts of the field. The silver, the gold, they are mine. I own the cattle on a thousand hills. In fact, if I'm hungry, you are the last one I will ask. You give me golden corral. So if God is hungry, he's not even going to ask us. So I'm saying that for you to understand. Giving is not because God needs to refurbish heaven. He's not trying to make the gold in heaven from 18 carat to 24. No. Giving does nothing for God. He does something for you. Yes. 
God allows me and you to participate in giving as a demonstration to you that you really have started trusting God. Because by nature, in this flesh, we are selfish. We hold things. We hold on to things. Look at a child and a toy. It's mine. And for many of us, that's the way we see money. It's mine. I worked for it. I earned it. Therefore, it's mine. It's mine. And God is saying, if I take your breath off, whose is the money? If you have bad health and you are laying in a coma in a hospital, what good is the money? So while you are holding on to money, there are things you cannot hold on to if God don't help you. So God is trying to help us understand money is the lowest of the wrongs. Do you know how many millionaires or billionaires are in the hospital this morning? For which if they can write a bill, a check to get their health back in an instant. But that option is not up to them. So God is saying, listen, I don't want you to ever be sick. But if you can begin to trust me in the area of the least, God forbid, because you live in a fallen world, if sickness comes your way, you have authority to command the sickness to go because you've trusted me, you can trust me for healing. That's the reason we give. Now, having said all of that, as new covenant believers under grace, what plays or role does tithing play? I'm going to tell you what the teaching out there is. There are some grace teachers that say, you don't tithe today because we're under grace. But I beg to differ with them. Because for those people, they think that tithing began under the law. And that is not true. Don't take my word for it. Let's go to the scriptures. Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. Now the Lord has said to Abraham, well, you know what? Let's go to Genesis 14 first. Genesis 14. Genesis 14 verse 20. And he blessed, no, no, I'm sorry. And blessed be God most high. Who has delivered your enemies into your hand? This is Mekisedek speaking to Abraham. Please don't miss what he said. Don't miss what Mekisedek said to Abraham. Let me read it again. Genesis 14 verse 20. And blessed be God most high. Who has what? Present tense or past tense? Who has delivered your enemies into your hand? Response. Next sentence. And he, Abraham, gave him a tithe of all. This is the first mention of the word tithe in the entire scriptures. This is the first mention. Now, let me go back a minute before I go forward now. So Abraham was the first person that ever tithed in all of scriptures. Now, did he live under grace or under the law? Let's answer it through scriptures. Genesis chapter 
12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said to Abraham, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I've said this before, and it bears repeating just so we can understand how you make the distinction between grace and law. One of the clearest ways of making distinction. Under the law, you have to do in order to get. Your getting is contingent on your obedience or your action or your performance. Let me say that again. Your getting is contingent on your obedience, your action, or your performance under the law. Under grace, however, you obey, you perform, you act because you're already blessed. You see the difference? One you are doing to get, the other, because you have gotten, you do. Do you get it? Are you sure? Under the Old Testament, it's do, do, do. Under the New, under grace, it's done, done, done. Because it's done, I'm now in a position to respond by doing, by performing, or by doing whatever God is asking me to do. Now, I haven't said that. I just read Genesis chapter 12. God calls Abraham out of his country, from his family, away from his kindred. And then God began to say, I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a great nation. Question. What did Abraham do to get this? Answer me, please. Nothing. You guys were just jumping about a minute ago in the heavens and on the earth. You were all jumping. Now I'm asking you questions. All of you are asleep. What did he do? What did he do to, get it, to, to be called out of his country? What did he do for God to say, I'm going to bless you? Absolutely nothing. You're right. Therefore, what is Abraham under? Law or grace? grace. What did you do to be called? Nothing. What did you do to qualify for God's blessings? Nothing. Are you blessed? Yes. How do you know it? Uh, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. Jesus Christ has blessed you, the Bible says. Oh. With all. How many? All. No, 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 no. Are you sure? Yes. Some? All. Some? All. All. Your blessings. In heaven, blessings in Christ. You are blessed. Before you were born, you are already blessed. So God is not looking for me and you to perform or to do anything before we receive his blessing. That's why it's God. It's not me. So clearly, Abraham was not under the law. Do you see that? Yes, so if Abraham tithed because he lived under grace and then secondly, back to Genesis 14, I think it's very, very important we say this. 
We've seen it, but let's just recognize it again. That verse 20 again. Genesis 14, 20. And blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. What prompted Abraham to give a tithe? Is it because of the fear of a curse? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Under the law, people are compelled to tithe under the penalty of a curse if they don't. Yes. But under grace here, Genesis 14, 20, Abraham did give tithe as a response to the deliverance that's already taking place in his life. Is there anybody here this morning that has been delivered? From death into life. From darkness into light. From curses into blessings. From sadness into joy. My God. Has anybody here been delivered by the power of God? So under grace, I am not giving because I'm afraid that some curse will come upon me. No. I am giving in appreciation. I am saying to God, thank you. Death sentence was upon my head. Deliverance has come to me. Not because I earned it. Not because I'm good enough. Not because I'm deserving. But when I'm thinking back of Jesus and all the things he has done and all the wonderful blessings he has in store for me. My soul say yes. Yes to you God. Yes to giving to you. Because what I'm giving only represents an appreciation of my trust that you delivered me yesterday. You will deliver me today. You will deliver me tomorrow. Anytime I need deliverance, the same God who delivered me yesterday is the same God that will deliver me today. He's the same God that can trust to deliver me tomorrow. That's what it's all about. So for us under grace, we are not pinching pennies my income was $143 a week. So when I come to church, I'm giving $14.30. It's got to be precise, exact, because it's 10%. Ah, I don't dare give God $14.29, nor $14.50. Legalism. That's the law. It's got to be so precise. Because if you miss it by point zero one, ah, the preachers of the law said you are cursed. So for some of us, we may not be in a tithing realm yet because we are still struggling in the area of trust. Money has possession on you. God has to break that whole grip upon your life. But for, so, so for some of us, it's progressive. So right now, you are, you are not able to do 10. You are doing 5, but you're doing it cheerfully. You are not giving it grudgingly. You are not giving it out of necessity. All these TV preachers that say they will not be able to carry the gospel unless you send it $73.19. Banish them. Fire them. Stop listening to them. Because if God did not send them, they shouldn't be there. Don't give because of manipulation. But the truth of the matter is, when God has been good to you and you recognize he's the owner nobody will tell you before you start going upwards and just doing as much as because you trust him 
Remember this. If you cannot be trusted or trust God in the area of money, forget all the other benefits. That's really what's at stake. That's really what's at stake. And I showed you last week the book of Acts, Acts chapter 4. When those guys got themselves together and began to give like mad people, the Bible says great grace was upon them all, not just the pastor or just the elders or just the, all of them had great grace to witness the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what's at stake. That's what the enemy don't want you and I to have. Now, Let's go look at Abraham. So we know that he tied based on his recognition that the victory was not his but God. Just Genesis 14:20. One last scripture to seal it for those of us that are still struggling about tithing under the law or tithing under grace. Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7. Ah. Hebrews chapter 7. Verse 8, and if you can get this for me in the Amplified, I'm not sure what it says in the Amplified, but I like, I'll be interested to see it. But let me read verse 8 in my new King James first. Hear what, hear what it says. Here, mortal men receive tithes. But there, he receives them. Of whom it is witnessed, that he lives. Did you, did you see what I just read? Here, mortal men receive tithes. Where's here? He's talking in the day the book of Hebrews was written. Post-resurrection time. This was after resurrection. He said here, now, here in the now, mortal men receive tithes. He said, but there, where's there? Yonder. He who is he referring to? Jesus receives them of whom we testify that he lives. Give me an amplifier. Let, let me see what it says. Furthermore, here in the Levitical priesthood, thus are received by men who are subject to death. While there, in the case of Melchizedek, they are received by one of whom it is testified that he lives what? Perpetually. Which priesthood are we under? Jesus. Make it the So the, the Hebrew writer is sent to us. Back in the day, Levites who died received the tithe. But now, Melchizedek, whom the Bible describes Jesus to be in the order of Melchizedek, is receiving them of whom we know lives forever. That should settle it. That settles it. Now, let's just quickly bring this to an end. Trusting God. Is it a one-time deal? Did I give tithe on Sunday and say, I've trusted God and then next week I don't have to worry about it? Just so you know, if you want to keep the windows open for the supernatural in your life, it is a continual lifestyle. 
Now, let me just show it to us, and we've got to bring this to a close. Genesis chapter 13. Genesis 13. Ah. Genesis 13, verse 8. So Abraham said to Lord, Please let there be no strife between you and me, and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. It's not the whole land before you. Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right. Or if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go toward Zohar. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan. And Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. Please understand the context there. Because Lot was with Abraham. As God's blessing was coming to pass in Abraham's life, there were spillovers. Everybody around Abraham was getting the overflow. There is no such thing as a man of God or woman of, woman of God that is blessed. And the people around them are improvised. If you carry the blessing, it has to flow over to people around you. That's the proof positive that what you're doing is of God, not of man. If it's only working for you, it's not God. Maybe it's a herbalist. Or a witch doctor. Because the issue with God is, he wants to just bless now, back to the point. So Abraham and Lot were so blessed, they had much stuff that the land was not able to contain them. Hear this. And because of this close proximity, friction began to come up between the two main servants. Usually, it's not the two men that have problems. It's their sons. I'll leave that alone for another day. So Abraham and Lot came together and said, listen, Lot, we don't need to fight over land. You have cattle, I have cattle. Look at the land. Look at it. Whatever you want, just take it. Hear the implication. To be a cattle rancher, grass that is good is absolutely essential. Because cattle only raise on good grass. If the grass, naturally so, is not there or available or good, then ultimately your herds will die. That is the, that's the way it is naturally. But look at the gamble and the reckless abandonment and the kind of trust that Abraham had. He totally, completely relinquished voluntarily his right to good land. Lord, pick whatever you want. And Lord looked. Ah, look at green, lush grass. Yeah, I like that. I need that for my cattle. He picked that. What Abraham had left? Desert. Nothing can grow on it. But did Abraham fret? Was he anxious? Was he troubled? Why? Because here in this passage, he was demonstrating to Lot 
the angels and every demon that my source is not green grass. My source is not in the natural. I serve a God who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above that which I'm able to think or ask. God is better than grass. God is bigger than land. What are you faced with this morning? What is troubling you? What is aching you? What are you concerned of? Are you limiting God to what you can see with your natural eyes? Abraham threw reason off the cliff. I'm not going to allow my eyes. What I can see, hear, taste, feel, dictate how I trust my God. Are you looking in your bank account to determine how big God is? Because if that's how you think of God's bigness, then your God is very small. You have to think beyond that. So Abraham said, Lord, no problem. The God who called me out of the land of earth. The God who delivered me from Pharaoh's house and gave me silver and gold and cattle. Abba. He still exists. Jesus Christ the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. I have tested him before. I have tested the Lord. And I know the Lord is good. He didn't bring me here to abandon me. He didn't bring me here to abort his purpose in my life. He promised me a blessing when I was not looking for one. If he did that, how much more will he sustain me? So he proved his, his trust in God. And immediately he did that. God said to him, Abraham, look to the north and the south, the east and the west. Because you trusted me. Lot was struggling with you. You didn't struggle. You released everything to him, abandoned recklessness, recklessness into my trust. You did that. I'm a just God. I'm a loving God. I heard you when you committed. I saw your commitment. At the expense of your cattle all dying, you trusted me. Therefore, now look. Everywhere where your eyes can see. All the land that you can ever see with your eyes, they are yours. Including the one that Lord is standing on. He just doesn't know it yet. Trust God, my friend. It's the basic of opening the portals of the supernatural. Is that all? No. It's not a one-time deal. It's a continuum. We have to trust him and keep on trusting him. Because in the very next chapter, chapter 14, five kings came to battle against Abraham. And he went to battle with his servants. And the Bible said he defeated them and took the spoils. Let's read one passage. Genesis chapter 14. Verse 21. Look at what it says. Now the king of Sodom said to Abraham, Give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. Ah, oh my goodness. God help me and you to get to verse 22. But Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord God most high. The possessor of heaven and earth. Do you understand what he's saying in that language? He's covering all the base. My God is the most high. I know that you guys have gods. You are the king of Sodom. You have gods in Sodom. 
But my God is the most He's higher than your God. Not only is he higher, let me tell you something. He's the possessor of heaven and earth. I have raised my hand to the Lord, God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap and that I will not take anything that is yours. Lest you say, I have made Abraham rich. Woo! She didn't hear this thing. It's out. Did you hear it? Did you hear the big day? Yes, sir. I will not say, I will not give you the opportunity to get up in your, devil, in your, in your satanic cove and testify that you made Abraham rich. I will not give you the pleasure to say you did it for me. Never. Because my God is the possessor of heaven and earth. And he gave it all back. Again, making a reckless abandonment. In making a statement, I trust God completely. The God that delivered me from Pharaoh's house. That God that gave me the line in Genesis chapter 13. It will, it will be the same God that will keep on pursuing me Genesis 14. Folks, it's not a one-time deal. This trusting of God with our finance, because we use finance on a daily basis, therefore, we must bring our finance under the total custody of God. And you will have opportunity on a day-to-day basis to demonstrate if we trust him or not. Now, I didn't get a chance to address that Luke 16 verse 1 where it talked about how the steward wasted his master's goods. You know what that word wasted, you know what it's talking about? Waste there is not just talking about him uh, taking the money and, and going to Las Vegas and gambling it away. Anytime the steward used the money for reasons other than what his master designed it for, it's a waste. It's a waste. Anytime. That same word is the same word that was used in the case of the prodigal son in Luke 15. He went to a faraway country and wasted his father's goods. That money, that inheritance was not designed for that kind of living. Ah, oh, let me leave that alone. Lastly, Genesis Chapter 25. To just see this was a lifetime issue for Abraham. Genesis 25. Oh. Verse 1. Abraham again took a wife. And her name was Keturah. Verse 5. Look, look at this. And Abraham gave all that he had to Isaac. In his old age. Even when he was older, he kept on trusting God. He gave all. What is all? What does all mean? Everything he had, even his old age, give him all to Isaac. Abraham, what are you going to live off of? Because at this point, we knew he still lived several years. Isaac got married. 
had children, and Abraham saw them. So he still lived a long time after this. But what I'm saying to you is, he never stopped trusting God where finance and resources were concerned. Never. So I'm saying to you, God will continue to allow you and I to pass the test of trust. I went to the driver's license place yesterday to, to change my driver's license. And I saw a lot of people there that was trying to get license for the first time. You know what's so funny, Brother Greg? When those young kids came there and said they wanted a license, you know they just didn't give them a license? No, sir. No. They put them in their car. Yes. Drive it. Let's see what, if you can drive. All right. yes. No matter how eloquent they were in their voice, yes. Yes. no matter how persuasive they were, they could not convince those instructors, say, I'm good, I, I know how to drive. I drive my father's car, just give me the license. Daniel, am I, am I talking? They just, did they just give it to you? Oh, you have to take a test. Why do you have to take a test? So you'll be convinced. Fantasy you had in your mind that you thought you could drive. All the video games you played on video. This is real. Driving is a real deal. So they put you inside a car and they say you do it. And then when you pass it, they give you the driver's license. God is trying to put to you and I, do you really trust me? Every time I tell you to give to the poor, give to the homeless, give to missions, give to the tithe, I'm giving you the opportunity to show if you really trust me. Because what you are holding on to can never fully meet your need. And if you cannot trust me in this area of your life, do you really believe you are going to heaven? Is there a heaven? If you, if you don't believe me that I can keep food on your table, you believe I can take you to a heaven? Really? What are the hindrances to me and you giving? Quickly. Number one, fear. We are scared to death. We are absolutely scared to death. You are not the first one I ever got scared. In 1 Kings 18, Elijah went to the widow of Zarephath and challenged her to give. Ah! I can't tell all the reasons why she couldn't do it. What's the first thing the man said to her? Do not fear. Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm speaking to many people here right now. Who need to be delivered from the grip of fear. I pray Jehovah God that the enemy will not be the robber of our soul by gripping our hearts with fear to where we are not able to trust you. I break the power and hold of fear over the lives of your people in the name of Jesus. Let them go to enjoy the freedom and the liberty that comes in being a blessing to God and God being a blessing to your people. You have not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And so, Father, in Jesus' name, we break that hold and we release the love of God to flow freely among us. In the name of Jesus, we are loved people. You love us. We receive your love and we live loved in Jesus' name.
That's the first grip. The enemy will paint the picture. If you give, your children will suffer. You won't be able to pay your bills. And on and on and on. And if you hear that verse and hit to it, it just robbed you. You will never be able to testify and experience God's goodness. Fear is number one. Fear. You need to banish that thing. The love of God. Cast out all fear. If you truly believe in the love of God, fear will not have a place in your life. Amen? Amen. Number two hindrance. Simply believing the lies of the devil. Whose report will you believe? You truly believe you can save enough for what your needs are? You can. But when God helps you, God adds super to your natural. Yes. That's the difference. Listen, folks, we've all been in job situations that started well and ended badly. Great promises, great jobs. And two years later, they are done turning, bang, out of the door. It can happen to anybody. But when you have trusted God, even if anything like that happens, you have the super working on your natural. That's the difference. And lastly, a poverty mentality. You came from a village where your grandfather was poor. Your father after that was poor. In fact, let's go back further. Your great-great-great-grandfather was, was the pauper in the village. And you've heard this notion. They are poor as the church mice. So everything you see, you see through the spectacle of poverty. Never having enough. And so when God is saying to you, trust me, say, what, is, what does that mean? You look back four or five generations, all of them poor. They went to their grave, barely have a coffin. Throw them in the ground like a chicken. Poverty mentality. It's a spirit. How do you know if you have it? Ah, I want to be careful. You are always seeing life from the scarcity perspective and from somebody no matter the presentation ah but it can be cheaper it can be less it can be this you, you are always thinking for God to rob somebody to bless you so a merchant has a good for ten dollars so you go to the place to buy the thing you are not thinking that the thing is $10, I'm going to give you free. No. Oh, you see, you see, you guys, you guys don't understand what I'm saying. When you are thinking like God thinks, what does God say? I will do exceedingly, abundantly, about what you're able to think or ask. Marshall, how much are you asking? How much are you asking? I'm going to do it exceedingly, abundantly, above. What you are thinking or asking. So he's $10, I bless you, I'll give you 12 I walk out of the store. Do you think, what, 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 what happens to that storekeeper? Because everybody before you that came there, the man said $10, how about 6 <laughs> Because in your poverty mentality, you have to rob him to feel blessed. You forget the God you serve. It's a God of above the top. Hallelujah. Oh, is there anybody here today? 
the God of above and beyond. Why should I rob my fellow guy to feel blessed? So you go eat in the restaurant. Your bill is six ninety nine. The, the ninety nine cents you are counting. It. You go to your car and find the pennies and lay it on the counter. You place the mind on the waiter. Go and get me toothpick. Go and get me more uh, napkins. Go and get me more water. The man is running back and forth and back. On you alone, he lost five pounds. But when you are leaving, you count the pennies. The guy has another 30 minutes to count your money. He can't wait to another customer. Poverty mentality. Hear me. The golden rule. Do unto others. As you want it done unto you. If you are not willing to be a blessing to somebody else, why should you be blessed? I don't know. You want God to rob them to bless you? Do you want to be robbed to bless somebody else? No, sir. Ah. <laughs> Poverty. You need to banish that today. Yes. You are not leaving that door until we, 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 you banish that. Yes. This holds back the kingdom of God. Because you see, as a man thinking in his heart, so is he. If you're always thinking shortage, 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 you will never live in surplus. If you're always thinking shortage, you know what? You attract shortage. That's why you're always short. But when you're thinking surplus, number one, you live surplus by being surplus to other people. And therefore, you attract surplus to yourself. Folks, I am telling you what works. Shortage. You say, well, he's just been uh, a good steward. He's been shrewd. Uh, I'm in a bazaar. So I will, I will price it into the last penny. And then you have the audacity to come and boast. Ah! I got that deal. The man was asking for $15, but I ended up paying three. <laughs> Robber! Why don't you leave the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ and be a blessing and trust God that because you are a blessing, God has a blessing waiting for you. Why can't we live like that? Everywhere we go, we dispense the blessings of God. Father, let's stand to our feet. Please. In the name of Jesus, we're thanking you, Lord. That fear is not our portion. Amen. Unbelief is not our portion. Amen. And by the grace that was upon the Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor. That out of his poverty we may be rich. And therefore we do not have a poverty mentality. Amen. We are not living on the shortage portion. But we are living on the surplus. We break every spirit of poverty. Every thinking of poverty. We destroy it right now. By the power of the blood. In the name of Jesus. We are not a poverty people. Because we also have a big, wonderful, great God. Thank you for your greatness. That's upon us. We're blessing and not a curse. We're in surplus and never in shortage. Thank you, Father God, for your provision. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. May take your seats.
I'm going to ask Pastor Mike, who's here. I can't, this, this is about the only thing I can get him to do to greet you guys, to just help receive the offering tonight, today. I said tonight, today, in Jesus' name. Pastor Mike, bless you. Mike. You guys just flow. Praise God. 